0: Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and admittedly, I have never watched SpongeBob, but can I still be a fan of that? Anyways, I am a fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm gonna share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's three sixty five with MXM two. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's three sixty five MXM Today in nineteen eighty-six the fictional character SpongeBob SquarePants was born. Well, maybe. When the classic show depicted his driver's license, it showed July 14th, 1986 as his birthday, but savvy fans quickly realized that since the show premiered in 1999, this would mean that he was 13 years old when he started taking driving lessons and working a full-time job at the Krusty Krab. Also, he lives alone, so in a season 11 episode when his license is shown, his birth date isn't depicted, leading fans to think that maybe he wasn't born in 1986 after all. Weird. Then again, the average lifespan of a sea sponge—the animal SpongeBob is based off of—is only 10 years. Not to get too morbid, but the show has been on air for over 20 years. Um, Anyways, it's a cartoon! Now that we know way more than we ever needed to know about SpongeBob's real age, we can take a look at the unprecedented success of this long-running kids' cartoon. Behind the show's success was Stefan Hillenburg, a former marine biology teacher. While he was working as an educator at the Orange County Marine Institute, he illustrated a comic called The Intertidal Zone, which used sea creature characters to teach kids about underwater life. Little did he know, he had a hit on his hands. He eventually left teaching to pursue a career in animation at the California Institute of the Arts, or CalArts, the school where great animators like Tim Burton learned their craft. When he graduated, Hillenberg started working at Nickelodeon on the show *Rocco's Modern Life but then he circled back to his old marine biology comic to create the world of Bikini Bottom. As a musician, I have to say, they have had some great musical moments in the show. Even though I technically have never watched the entirety of SpongeBob, it is undeniable that many people who walk the face of the earth have heard songs from the show. Sweet Victory, the song that the marching band plays at the Bubble Bowl, was actually composed, recorded, and produced by the songwriting duo, David Glenn Isley, and Bob Kulick, But still, it slaps. But then they have some original hits too, like the Fun Song, the Campfire Song song, and Ripped Pants. There's also the Goofy Goober song, which appeared in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. That was the sixth highest grossing animated film of 2004 too, which is saying something given the other animated movies that had hits that year were movies like Shrek 2. That's some stiff competition. Hillenberg intended for that movie to be the series finale, and he resigned from his role as the showrunner of Spongebob, but Nickelodeon kept the show going without him. However, he did come back to co-write the second Spongebob film, Sponge Out of Water, which came out in 2015. Unfortunately, Hillenburg passed away in 2018 at the age of 57 due to ALS, a disease that affects the brain. But his legacy continues. Fans created a petition with over 1 million signatures to have Sweet Victory performed at the Super Bowl. Sure enough, Maroon 5 paid tribute to Hillenburg by showing a clip from the episode "Band Geeks" during their halftime performance. What makes SpongeBob so special is that it truly appeals to all ages. There's a reason why SpongeBob memes flood the internet and why quotes from the show are so present to this day. By the way, is mayonnaise an instrument? When the pandemic rendered us homebound, we all shared screen caps from the episode where Spongebob sings about how he loves the indoors. When people started getting vaccinated before us, we shared the screencap of Squidward staring through his window at Patrick and Spongebob playing outside. It's not just nostalgia that makes us turn to Spongebob in times like this. It's that it's a genuinely funny and loved show that has made an enormous mark on this generation. If it weren't It wouldn't have remained on air for 22 years, with 268 episodes to date. Now, let's talk about music. Today, in 2010, Anne Kirsten Kennis, whose Polaroid photo appears on the cover of Vampire Weekend's hit album, Contra, filed a $2 million lawsuit against their band, the label XL Records and The Photographer. She claimed that she never gave permission for her likeness to appear on the album. She later settled with the band, earning an undisclosed sum of money— Contra was everywhere, too. It debuted at number one on the US Billboard 200 and featured songs like Horchata, Cousins, and Holiday. The cover features a head-on photograph of a blonde woman wearing a pastel yellow polo shirt, a flash shining in her face. They paid the photographer, Tom Brody, $5,000 to use the photo. Kenneth said that she noticed the photo of herself when her teenage daughter brought it to her attention. By then, the photo was over 30 years old. The photographer, Tom Brody, claimed that she had signed a photo release, but she said that wasn't true. Why use the photo as an album cover anyway? According to lead singer Ezra Koenig, the image was like a Rorschach test. Different people could interpret it in a variety of ways. He said some people get very mad when they see a white blonde girl in a polo shirt. He found it fascinating. It kind of has a Mona Lisa effect. Is she smiling? Is she feeling okay? Does she even know? And now for today's final segment, I'll be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a July 14th in my life. On. July 14th, 2020, I got Twitch emotes designed for the very first time. Up until that point, I'd been drawing my own emotes. I worked with an artist named Maddie who is on Twitter at weeniedess um if you want to check out her work, but um it was really fun. I I just like I love commissioning artists to be able to make something that I have in my head turn into a reality. I love visual arts and I love drawing in my own time, but there's definitely a limit to the things that I'm able to make happen. Um so Maddie did an incredible job and the emotes on my Twitch channel are a result of the process of working with her and making something that felt really exciting and emblematic of kind of the culture of live stream that I did. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's 365 with MXM two